You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. It's good to be preaching the Word again this morning. I'm still on the parables of Jesus. We're going to talk about the two debtors this morning, and if you want to read along with me, uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time she came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will just make this word real to our hearts today. Give revelation, Lord, as we look into it together. 
In Jesus' name, amen. It seems that a, a man had a barber who was very negative. He found it difficult to be positive about anything. And this man was getting a haircut. The man said, guess what? I'm going to take a trip to Rome next week. And the barber asked, what airline are you taking? And he said, I'm going to fly Delta. And the barber replied, I wouldn't fly Delta. The service is poor and the food is horrible. And there's not enough room between the seats. He said, you'll, you'll never get a wink of sleep. After a moment of silence, the barber politely asked, what hotel are you staying in? The man replied, I'm staying at the Grand Hotel. The barber replied, why are you going there? The place is infested with roaches and the mattresses are hard as a rock. After a moment of silence, the man said, oh, and guess what? I'm going to see the Pope. The barber said, you'll never get to see the Pope. No one ever gets to see the Pope up close. Two weeks later, the man came back, visited his barber for another haircut, and he said the plane had, and the hotel had been great. The bar- barber was amazed and asked, so did you get to see the Pope? The man replied, yes. I was close enough to him to reach out and touch him, and he blessed me. And he even talked to me personally. No way, the barber said. What did he say? The man replied, He asked me, where did you get that terrible haircut? (laughs) On the surface, it seems that the Pharisee invitation to Jesus to come and visit his home for a meal was a desire to get to know him. That maybe the words and the teachings of Jesus was finally getting to his heart. But the the traditional honor shown to guests was not shown to Jesus by this man. Jesus sat at the table without his feet being washed, without the customary kiss and the anointing of oil. This was common courtesy that people of that day showed to their guests. It seems that this Pharisee invited Jesus for dinner to embarrass him. You know that the Pharisees were more of the common, the the blue-collar people of the day. They, They were political, but they weren't the ruling party. The ruling party was the Sadducees. The Sadducees... Uh, were people who believed in the first four books of the Bible. The law of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. 
and Deuteronomy. And uh, so they were more of the high society type. They were the, the richer of the, of the crowd in that day. While the, the Pharisees, they believed more of the Old Testament, but they also included a lot of tradition, very much tradition in their, in their religion. And so if you uh, are familiar with the New Testament, you'll, you will know, especially in the Gospels, that Jesus seemed to be very hard on the Pharisees. The reason, of course, was because of their traditions. They had been more uh, tendency to follow tradition than actual the word of God. And so the Pharisees were always trying to trip up Jesus. And so it is no wonder that this man asked Jesus to come to his home. It probably was sort of a setup. It seems that this Pharisee intended to embarrass him, embarrass Jesus. He actually brought Jesus to his home and dishonored him there. And I wonder, could some of our actions be dishonoring to Jesus? Some of our actions in our home. You see, Jesus is everywhere, right? By his Holy Spirit, he's living in our hearts. By his Holy Spirit, he's in our home. And so he hears every conversation that we have. Whether it's behind closed doors, whether it's away from the ears of the children, whether it's around the dinner table, he hears every conversation. But we seldom think about that when we say things we shouldn't say. When we say words that are cutting and hurting to our spouse or to our children or to our parents. He sees us when we turn on our TV and the channels we watch the shows and the movies we watch. He sees us when we're on and hears us when we're on our cell phones and when we're at our computers. Are you honoring him in your home? It's a good question. First of all today, I want to look at an expression of love. Jesus is seated at the table when suddenly there's a stir. There's a woman coming in. And she is known. The Bible calls her a woman of the city who was a sinner. That means she wasn't living up to the standards of either the Sadducees 
or the Pharisees. Carrying a flask of perfumed oil, she walks over to Jesus. And then the unthinkable, thinkable, thinkable, that's Newfoundlandese, but unthinkable happened. This woman is crying big tears and they're falling on Jesus' feet as she tenderly holds them in her hands. And she's using her long black hair as a towel to dry off his feet. She's now proceeding to kiss his feet over and over and over again as she's weeping. And next she pours this expensive oil over his feet and gives him a foot massage. Simon the Pharisee isn't saying a word, but he's thinking. The Bible says he spoke to himself. We all do that. We speak to ourselves. I had an aunt. You wouldn't know, but there was an army of people around her. She was, she really spoke to herself. <laughs> and this is, what the, this is what he's saying in his mind. If he were a prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is who is touching him. He would know that she's a sinner. But Jesus, the word who became flesh, who knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart, knew what Simon was thinking. And he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so with that, he begins to give a parable. There are three main characters in this parable, a creditor, a debtor who owns five, owes 500 denarii, and a, woman, and a debtor who owes 50 denarii. The creditors graciously forgave both debts, and Jesus asked Simon, which of the debtors? do you think showed more love towards the creditor? And Simon answers, I suppose the one who gave more, who forgave more. And Jesus said, you're right. You see, Jesus is addressing an issue of the heart. It is evident that the creditor who canceled both deaths represented Jesus Christ. And he forgives sin. He forgave my sin and he forgave your sin. Some of us were worse sinners than others. We did more wrong. We did more despicable things. I'm happy to say I've never been in jail. But I could have been. I could have been hauled before the courts because of things that I did. 
but I never got caught. There are people that I know who have been charged and sentenced for things much less than what I did in my younger years. The person in debt for 50 denarii refers to, to Simon. Those who really haven't done a whole lot of wicked things just because they were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, they need God's forgiveness. The person in debt for 500 denarii refers to the woman. As Simon saw her, she was a sinner. They tell me that one denarii in that day was worth a day's wages. Many people are self-righteous. They do not, do not see themselves as sinners. I'm sure you've run into someone who said, I'm as good as anyone that goes to church. They proceed to tell you how they pay their taxes, they're good to their neighbors. They give to charity. They don't cheat on their wives or their husbands. They're good people. And besides all that, they were baptized when they were babies. And so they don't see any reason to repent of sin. They see no need to confess and repent. And with such an attitude, it is void of, of love and affection for the Lord. Because as far as that person is concerned, the Lord never did anything for me. There is no intimacy, there is no feeling of thanksgiving, no worship, no praise. Because they have not accepted the salvation gift that Jesus offers. You wonder why we encourage people to clap their hands and shout and dance. and Be joyful in the Lord in worship. Because the Bible tells us to be thankful. To show appreciation for what God has done for you. As already stated, Simon did not offer any of the traditional courtesies to Jesus when he came to his house. This woman who had been forgiven went above and beyond the common courtesies in showing love and honor to Jesus. While Simon showed little love, this woman showed much love. The point here is that neither could pay the debt that they owed in the parable. He was guilty. The man who owed 50 was in debt. The man who owed 500 was in debt. 
the person who does very little wrong and is very kind and very generous, a real good person. If they have not asked Jesus Christ to come into their, into their heart, they're sinners and they need Jesus. Jesus is the one who said, you must be born again. There's no other way. The Bible says there's no other name in, on the, in earth given among men whereby people can be saved. Jesus is the only way. Simon's response, I suppose, the one who forgave more, suggests to me that He's beginning to see the point of the parable, at least. So let's look at the application of the parable. Jesus then makes the contrast between Simon and the woman. He turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? She entered my house. You gave me no water for my feet. She washed my feet with tears. Wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. She's been kissing my feet continuously. You did not anoint my head with oil, which is the customary thing to do, but she has been anointing my feet with oil, with fragrant oil, expensive oil. You see, the difference is relationship. Simon didn't have a relationship with Jesus. He was skeptical, like all of the Pharisees, he was skeptical of Jesus. And he was just trying to get to know, at the least, he was trying to get to know what makes this man tick. All of these things Simon should have done as a normal host, but he didn't do it. Simon had stood in judgment of this woman based on what he saw. And let me just stop here and say, we are not in a position to judge anyone. God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, the Bible says, but God looks on the heart. She had a reputation in the community. She was immoral, probably most Bible scholars think a prostitute. And he stood in judgment of Jesus, saying, if he was a prophet, he would know this. That gives me room for another little rabbit trail. God has given us gifts as born-again believers. He has given us gifts, spiritual gifts, so that the church can grow, can be healthy and strong, and reach out into our communities, that we would never be satisfied with however many people gathers into this room on a Sunday morning. We're never satisfied with that. 
And we use the gifts that God has given us so that we can reach others and so that others will come to know Jesus as their Savior. And when somebody uses one of those gifts, like Simon, you know, may know some things about that person. You may look and despise that person and say, that's not of God. I know him. I know her. They work on my shift, and I certainly wouldn't believe anything that they say. But I want you to know that God can get a hold of a life and change that life for time and eternity. And you and I don't know what has taken place from the time you heard that man say something that is filthy or you heard that woman say something that is cutting to another person about another person and you see them in church and you see them being used of God before you ever say anything against them. You need to know what went on between them and God maybe at their bedside that night, maybe the morning before they came to church, but God does something in our hearts and we're all a work in progress and we need to have the ability to be able to say, I'm going to leave you with God. You leave me with God. You let God do something in my life. If you see that there's something wrong with me, you pray for me and you pray that the Holy Spirit will get a hold of my heart and my life and I'll do the same for you. But as a body of believers, we need to stand hard and fast and with one another and let the Holy Spirit move in our hearts and move in our church and move in our community. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so he figured that Jesus is a false prophet. But Jesus knew something about this heart that Simon didn't know. Simon was blind to the fact that his self-righteousness was sin. Simon did not understand that all sin is sin. It is sin that's going to keep us out of heaven. But for the blood of Jesus Christ, no sin can enter heaven, so we need to be forgiven. God does not see people as little sinners or big sinners. He just sees saints and sinners. You want to be a saint? You ask Christ to come into your heart. You accept what Jesus did on the cross as a total payment for all of your wrongdoing, all that you've ever done and all that you'll ever do that is wrong. It's forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so you keep short accounts with God. You do something that you know is wrong. You say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. You pick up and you start going again. You don't give up on God just because you fell flat on your face and dirted yourself. You get up and you keep going again. Why? Because Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. 
He loves me enough. The Bible says that when I was a sinner, he died for me. And so we allow that love to fill our hearts and our souls. And we as his children, just like our own children, don't always obey what mom and dad says to do. We don't turn our back on them just because they disobeyed us. He loves me and I love him. Amen? It is the blood of Jesus when you confess your sins that makes the change. 1 John 1.7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. You accept God's grace by faith and immediately become a saint. Let me tell you something. Nobody, not presidents, not kings, not prime ministers, no religious leaders of any denomination has the authority to determine this. Only God knows the heart. God declares it is so. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all, all things have become new. The self-righteous sinners and the non-religious sinners are both guilty before God. And we all need a Savior. They owed a debt they could not pay. This was true for Simon, the religious man, and also true for the sinful woman. And this is true for you and I today. There's a song we used to sing way back. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. But now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Jesus then declares, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And that's what he wants to speak into every heart and to every life. Many people who come to Jesus have really made a mess of their lives. They know it. And the sense of their inner guilt is severe. This parable reminds us that the Lord is willing to forgive no matter how much you owe. As one senses a guilt, of, a guilt so great, so their love for Jesus becomes greater. With a greater love, there will be the motivation for greater service. And that's why we serve him, folks. 
This fall, when we began to spread out into ministry in Colette Community Church, just remember, you're not doing it for Pastor Mark. You're not doing it for Pastor Hayward. You're doing it for Jesus. That extra time it takes to do whatever is required to be done in order that we would make a dent into this community, it's going to take commitment. We're going to need to roll up our sleeves and say we're going to see one of the most productive years that we have ever seen since we've been a born-again Christian. We see a great example of this in the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul said, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. God has given you and I grace to be effective in his kingdom. Forgiven of much and motivated by love, Paul ran hard after God. And that's what God wants you and I to do. So rather than wallow in your guilt of your past, Allow the great forgiveness that Jesus offers to motivate you to love and to serve him more and more. So as I conclude today, never forget what Jesus has saved you from and out of. I often compare why it seems that New Christians are so on fire for God, while older Christians, people who've been in the faith longer, seem to be dragging their heels. And I put it this way. Here's my old life, and here's my new life. The day I met Jesus, it is right there. I'm well aware of what I am and who I am, where I've been, and I am well aware of what Jesus has done for me. He's washed me in his precious blood. He's cleansed me. He's called me justified, just as if I had never sinned. All of my past is under the blood of Jesus. As the days go by and the years roll by, I get farther and farther away from that knowledge who I was and what I was. And I get all caught up in what Jesus has done for me, and I settle to be in a part of a bless me club rather than out there doing something for him. We need to remember that was me. When you see a guy stumbling under the, under the influence of alcohol, Remember when you stumbled in the same way. I can remember those days. There are things that happened in my life that I still don't remember. I get flashbacks from it even, even in this day and age in which I live. 
So when I see a man under the influence of, of alcohol coming forward and wanting me to pray with him, I gladly pray with them because I know that if God took me from where I was hitting, he can do the same for him. I don't know what it's like to be involved in drugs. It wasn't in my culture in my day, but if it was, I would have been into it, I'm sure. But oh, remember what God has brought you from. Amen? If you are still young, you are avoiding the consequences of sinful pleasure. You're serving God now, and you're a young person. Thank God you don't have to get messed up in that stuff that is ruining hundreds and thousands of lives. Our world is a cesspool. Young people's lives are being destroyed. Teenagers with a whole life ahead of them don't see any reason to live, taking their own lives. If you are older now, you have and you will avoid consequences. If you are a new Christian, you have been delivered and set free. Live and rejoice in that newfound freedom that you have in Christ. The more conscious we are of the forgiveness that we have in Jesus, the more we will love and serve him. We cannot change the degree of our sinful, sinfulness prior to coming to Christ. What's done is done. Some of us suffer the consequences of a sinful past. We can determine not to go back there anymore. We can say, devil, you've had the last kick at the can in my life. From now on, I'm going to serve Jesus. And so stay in the word and prayer and fellowship with people of like faith. That's how you stay clean. Get rooted in a Bible-believing, spirit-filled church and stay there. And work with that group of people to see God move and see your country, your neighbor, your neighbors and your neighborhood and your town turned upside down for Jesus. One of the biggest weapons the devil has used in the church is to get church against church and denomination against denomination and rather, standing, rather than standing shoulder to shoulder and doing something for the kingdom, we're all setting up our own little kingdoms. And we're spread so thin that we can do nothing. Learn how to love your brother and sister in Christ. Be quick to forgive and to receive forgiveness. Nothing destroys a spiritual life quicker than unforgiveness. I'm going to stop there today. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And he saved you so that others could be saved through your life. He blesses you so that you can bless others. 
And when you get a hold of a truth, don't let it go. When God blesses your heart and you find what it's like to move in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, don't ever turn your back on that. God is setting you up for something great. God is setting you up so that you can touch other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only way we can see revival in our communities and in our churches is when people get on fire for God and say, I'm tired of just living the humdrum life. I'm tired of just going through the motions of religion, and I want a real relationship with God. I want to renew that in my life again. i got to stop there or be preaching again. <laughs> Heavenly Father, make it real. Make it real, oh God, make it real. Give us revelation of your heart, your heart for us, your heart for our community. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer this morning, if you need to do business with God, you come. We've got people that will pray with you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this is a great morning to serve him. Say, yes, Lord, I want to receive you into my life. Whatever your need, you come. And we'll be there to pray with you. Amen. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.